Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. Last show of the year. Because, yeah, next week we'll be off. So let's get that out of the way. But... Still with you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest stories, the latest news in mixed martial arts. Lots of good ones. Jake Shields and Mike Jackson got into it last week at the UFC PI. MMA Junkies had a chance to talk with both guys. ESPN's tripping. I think we'll probably be starting off with that story. And there is a matchup that was made in the women's flyweight division that should have us excited, yet... I'm going to tell you why I'm not that excited when we come back to start the show. So, yeah, uh, next week goes and I will be off all the way through the new year. And we want to wish you a. Merry Christmas, and I guess Happy New Year, or Happy Holidays, or Seasons Greetings, whatever you're comfortable with. We just hope that um, you're safe and happy, hopefully with family and friends, and you have a good time. Enjoy it. How about you, guys? Anything to say to the uh, Junkie Nation audience regarding the holidays? Yeah, just that, uh, sorry about that. Just that, um, well, pretty much the same thing George said. Don't get in fights with your family. Yeah. Just have a good time. Brush things off. Eat some good food. Mm-hmm. Take a lot of pictures. You know what really I think is cool? Those were great things to say. Looking at, thanks, looking at uh, Facebook memories. Yeah. And you realize just how important it is to be in the moment, but at the same time kind of snap a couple pictures and videos that just remind you of good times. Take pictures and for sure, those are great memories to have of your family members. You don't know who will be with you and who won't. So look at Franco Harris passed away from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was supposed to get goes his Number retired, number 32 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what took him so long. 50 years, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, He won four rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, he might not have, like, all-time great rushing stats, but at the time, he was a great running back. And they were supposed to induct his jersey and also commemorate the 50-year anniversary of that immaculate reception, that ball that bounced around at the end of the Raider uh, Pittsburgh game. It was a divisional game or something like that. But either way, that game was over. Oakland was going to advance and this ball ricocheted and Franco Harris scooped it up and ran it in. And that's what caused Pittsburgh to eventually advance the Super Bowl or maybe there was one more game. I can't remember, but Otherwise, they just wouldn't have been there at all. And now we'd be talking about Franco Harris, the guy that only won three Super Bowls. Same with Terry Bradshaw, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Donnie Shell, all them guys. Mm-hmm. The audience is like, who are they? But how could I forget Mean Joe Green? Um, you just never know is all I can say. And, yeah, Facebook memories are really, really cool. And I was floating around through some goes, and I had a real good one of Dad and Max. And I'm just glad I took them. You know, sometimes – I just grab the camera phone because they're so good now, right? And I'll just boom, 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 take a few, take a few. And it's the one that you don't expect 
that winds up being cool for a reason. And then it's so easy to delete the others. But um, yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Um, so those are great suggestions. In fact, I wanted to piggyback one that I saw. I've seen a few MMA people posting it. And I wish I could just tell you who the first one was. But when I read it, I go, wow, that's powerful. Somebody said, these are difficult times for a lot of people. And I'm available if you want to chat, if you want to DM me, if you want to, here's some numbers to call, because this is a time that can be difficult for many people. And I thought it was cool for the person to not just make the statement, give the number out, but also tell people, you know, if, if you know me and I'm available. Now, it wasn't like Lionel Messi that posted this. It wasn't someone like, you know, I, I can't remember who the name was, but it wasn't like a world champion. It was someone just, just I don't know, maybe someone here in Vegas. I just thought, man, bravo to that person. I wish I could remember who it was. But now I've seen a few others post it post similar things and it's so true you know yeah. um, I, I don't know if it goes but I, I'm available if you know me if you know how to contact me or whatever and you really just want to have a chat because you're not having a good day holla now what I will say is if I haven't saved your phone text hey man this is me in case my number doesn't show up and because I really don't answer the phone too much unless your number with, sorry, your name pops up. It's got to pop up. Otherwise, I don't answer it because I'm just tired of all the bullshit, you know, all these scammers and politicians and realtors and people that want to put solar on my roof and whatever. I ain't got time to even go through the damn. And like, see, I'm not one of those people who goes, I'm not interested. Shut the fuck up. Bye. No, oh, I just, hello. Yeah. Hey, is this, you know, well, you know no, I don't know. See, I, because I try and figure that if I tell them that I sold the home back in 2016, or I haven't been in California since 2008, that they might just go, hey, cut this guy's number, man. This guy's not even living in the state. We're wasting time calling him. But that seems to backfire because I, I still get the calls. So who knows? That should be a stun gun. Don't companies that hire people to do this, isn't it in their best interest that if you found out that I left in 2008 – get me off like why would you have the next person call me when he could be calling someone that does live in the state it's already like a, a one in a million chance that someone's even going to take your call or listen to your pitch it might as well be someone that's in the fucking state right if you're promoting something california based i can't argue because i know what it is it's probably just being lazy you just want to move on to the next person on my phone one of our listeners showtime i probably have like five numbers of his so it goes from Showtime to Showtime 2 to the real Showtime to <laughs> Showtime for real, you know, like shit like that. Just because mm-hmm. I'm too lazy to go back and delete that previous number when he goes, this is my new number. Call me here. So I think it's probably that. But uh, have you do, you do you do the thing on email where you unsubscribe? That helps a lot. I do do that. And... I don't know what happened recently, but I've gotten junk mail up the ass, dude. I used to get maybe like two or three per day, and now I can literally get uh, about 300 in a day. Mm -hmm. So I must have triggered something, and they got a hold of it, and boom, I'm just getting thumped. So I just kind of now give it a quick delete because they kind of change in color. And so unless it's one of the other ones, because every once in a while, real mail gets stuck in there and, and that's unfortunate. But um, you know what's another thing goes is I don't stay on top of my email like I, I used to. I mean, it's just, I guess I, I'm quicker with the text. If you want to get a hold of me, it's a text. The DMs, I guess. Who knows? But it's sad because I used to be really, really on top of my email. And as we're talking, there was a colonel from one of our trips that reached out via email. And the thing just gets fucking buried, dude. Fanatics, Adidas, Nike, um, uh, Paul, Ralph Lauren, whoever, any ASICs, anything that I've ever bought, you know, that somehow just they got a hold of it. 
It's this deal after deal after deal. The 49ers, Manchester United, DirecTV, Chase. I mean, and then just buries, buries, buries everything that I have. And um, so now I just remember, damn, you know, he wanted to have like a drink or something. And I told him, yeah, yeah. You know, I, he knew our time was limited because we were doing some Cali trips. But um, we didn't, I, I didn't get back to him. So I got to take the L there. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, but yeah. So anyway, folks. Seriously, you know, the the holidays can be very fulfilling and enriching, and so much happiness. But for some, it's it's it can be a dark time of the year. So that honestly stands. Um, that if you ever need to chat, I am here. I'm listening, like Fraser Crane would say. I am as well. Feel free to reach out anytime you like. Hmm. So goes, you know, we do have the, the, the Bellator Rising show, and maybe we'll save that at the end. I'm not gonna say that I'm bananas over it. I'll, I will watch it. You're because... gonna be. You're gonna be once you don't get MMA for a while. I know. No, I'm gonna watch it for sure, but it's not like a UFC pay-per-view, I guess, that type of excitement. I I'm sort of disrespecting the the Ryzen fighters, and I shouldn't because I've always thought fighters in other promotions do get too much disrespect. But I'm expecting like some sort of a 4-1 defeat at worst for Bellator, if not 5-0. We'll see. You know, they're taking some good fighters, man, some really, really good fighters down to Ryzen. They're not playing around, dude. Pitbull, arguably the best Bellator fighter ever. AJ McKee, he's got to be in the top five ever as well. Horiguchi, Horiguchi is a former champ. So, yeah, like they're flexing. Scott Coker's flexing. And we'll see. It's going to be fun. If I don't wind up going out, which I haven't done in the last few years for New Year's Eve, then that's kind of what I'm doing. Although I think it winds up being the 30th for us. Who knows? I got to look at that and lock it down. And I'll do that before the show's over, to be fair. So everyone knows exactly what, what time um these fights go down because it is a new year's eve show but japan so many hours ahead we want to get this one right uh and as far as franco harris you know he passed away that's sad um but let's talk a little bit about mma so shields and jake shields and mike jackson they had a an issue at the ufc pi um they've been going at it on twitter mm-hmm. the genesis of this is Obviously, Shields in the last couple of years has become very active on Twitter with uh, controversial takes regarding politics and life in general and just his views on life. And um, a lot of it is very right leaning. Um, I'm not sure I would call him an extremist extremist, but I also wouldn't call him center right, you know. And then, uh, and then for Mike Jackson, I don't, I don't know if I even, I don't think I follow Jake either. Um, but I see him, you know, through retweets and stuff. And then as far as Mike, I, I, I'm not sure that I follow him either. Or maybe they just don't land in my algorithm. Who knows? But I hadn't really noticed that from Mike. Others have told me, oh yeah, he's been doing that, kind of like a, the opposite, right, on the left side. And um, so apparently they chirp back and forth, and they ran into each other at the UCPI. And I guess apparently they had built it to a point where, hey, when I see you, it's on, what do they call it, on site. And they did. And so now we've heard both sides. So kudos to Mike Bond, who's spoken to both fighters. Some of it kind of matches up. It's just that Mike Jackson took us to, took four times as long to tell us his story than Jake Shields did. So thank you to Jake for saving us some time. Mike Jackson, come on, man. Don't tell us. We don't want to know novels. Have you heard of of his Mike Jackson? Yeah. Holy yeah. cow! The details on on everything. Um, just getting through that first question, but regardless, now Jackson's saying something about pressing charge. It didn't really turn out to be much of a fight. It turned out to be more of a slap, a takedown, some control. I think it's still ten ten. Honestly, they he hasn't even done enough. I think to go <laughs> to warrant one guy going to nine. I, I kid, I kid. It'd probably be 10-9 Jake Shields. But, yeah, Jackson talks about my face was hurt. I just had surgery. Shields is saying, hey, you said this. I said that. Don't call me a Nazi. One guy's threatening to 
press charges. The other guy's threatening to maybe sue. What's your take on all this? Well, I think when you hear both sides of the story, they kind of match up with the exception of Mike Jackson saying he was shoved in the back. And that can easily be found through the footage of the PI, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the story itself seems to match up. What happened was unfortunate, especially considering this is Jake Shields' second time at the PI, kind of having run-ins and all that. So I don't know, man. Like, here's the thing. You can say whatever you want in this country, and I get that. But I would also tell you, don't be surprised if somebody comes back and does something about it. Because Mm -hmm. not everybody just says, "Hmm, okay, screw you, or something like that. Some people take matters into their own hands, and Jake Shields is one of those guys. Scrap pack dudes do that type of stuff. So if you're going to run your mouth, uh, you know that when you come across uh, a Nate Diaz, a Nick Diaz, a Jake Shields, you're probably going to have to deal with something, Hamza Shemayev. So I don't feel bad for Mike Jackson because he knew the game he was playing. Um, it's unfortunate it went down at the UFCPI like that, and mm-hmm. now fighters are probably going to be affected because Jake Chain trains a lot of fighters, you know, and, and who knows what that does for his career now moving forward. I think after a while, you might just get tired of, well, I can't meet at the PI, oh, but our whole practice is going to be there today. You might just start looking somewhere else, right, for a coach. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just like crazy shit that doesn't just happen in our sport. It happens in a lot of sports. Jackson says Shields is banned from the UFC PI. Shields kind of acknowledges that, yeah, he probably needs to go in there and apologize. However, he thinks it won't be a, a lifetime ban. But he does seem to take responsibility, like, yeah, I may have fucked up in that regard. Shields did try to say, come into this octagon and let's straighten things out. Didn't go down that way. Uh, Shields posted the video. I suppose if no video was posted, maybe it just blows over. I don't know. I would like it to just blow over. Not much happened in terms of, you know, somebody really, really, really getting hurt. Oftentimes we say, hey, someone could get hurt. Therefore, the message of an arrest or a lawsuit kind of has legs because it it shows you, hey, you need to cut this out. But in reality, in my opinion, I just think that I hate it when lawyers make money um, over something that just should blow over. You know, when, when insurance companies and lawyers somehow just get that piece of the pie goes, you know, it's like, oh, man. I don't know. It kind of bugs me a little bit. Um, When two people should just be able to, like, I like, maybe that's why I always liked mob movies, certain parts of mob movies. When they had a beef, they'd go, a boss would sit down and go, all right, uh, pay him back 10 grand and, uh, you know, give him back his route. And they you know, they kind of go, oh, come on, Sonny, or whatever. And But, no, nah, come on, you know, all right, 7,500, you know, one, he gets back a few houses on his route. All right, shake on it. They kiss each other on the cheek. Next thing you know, they're, uh, they're at a strip club, strip club buying each other lap dances, and that's it. You move on, you know. But when all this has to go before a judge and lawyers and pleadings and, oh, yeah. So I, I hope it just kind of ends there. Um, Matt Brown was saying, take the L. What are you going to do? Take the L. And that's that. I don't know if you saw what Matt mm-hmm. Brown was saying. But anyway, um, how about ESPN? They're going from $74.99 to $79.99. Just last year, they went from $69.99 to $74.99. And since ESPN has been along, it's now been a $20 hike in pay-per-views. So the UFC pay-per-views are going up, but ESPN is responsible for that. Yeah. Past, I think we've quick, quickly pointed the finger at the UFC and said, what the fuck? You know, but it was quickly pointed out. No, 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 no. They, they handle that portion of it. It's on ESPN. And, but either way, I think the UFC could probably has some say, you know, I'm sure a lot was turned over towards ESPN when it comes to, broadcast rights and pay-per-views or whatever, but 
I, I, I would imagine the UFC can't just shrug their shoulders and go, it's on them, go talk to them, because you know, they're probably enjoying a piece of that pie that gets added. Right, and it's probably a lot easier just to go, ah, go talk to them. Mm-hmm. I get that part. Look, honestly, $20, yeah, it sucks. Um, but I could probably stomach it. It's just the way that they do it is so unorganized and so, like, we don't give a shit about you. The way they, they did it, you know, like, how could you get that price point wrong and then just months later do it again and then do it again and do it again? It just looks so unorganized. It looks so chaotic. It's stupid. Um, yeah, and don't forget that the uh, ESPN Plus went up as well. Right. So the whole thing, like, dude, these streaming services are asking a lot out of people, man. I'm I, At first I was like, to hell with you, Cable. Now I'm starting to think, Jesus Christ, I'm probably spending more on, on – uh, these little cuts that you're giving me here and there from different people. It's sucking, dude. But, um, I mean, the UFC is a great product. It really is. At the end of the day, if you're a combat sports fan, if you've been a boxing fan and you've suffered all these L's of ordering a, a pay-per-view and the main event sucks and that's the only reason you're there anyway, yeah, the UFC is a pretty good product. But to do it in this way, especially, like, right around the holidays, like, I don't know. It's just a stupid time to announce it. It's a stupid way of doing it. Uh, you just need to be more organized, ESPN. How many times growing up out of 10 boxing matches did we go, man, that sucked, the pay-per-view? At least five. I think five. half and half. And with the UFC, we rarely say that, right? We can right. criticize a card and go, man, you ain't even got a title fight. I hardly see any ranked fighters and... Well, but it's my job. I'm going to tune in. And then usually when we come back on Monday and go, wow, that caught us off guard. Holy cow, there was some fights. Yeah. So, you know, I, I you're right. I get that. I get that the price point usually winds up hidden where it's supposed to hit. And that's the mark of what you paid for giving you that value, you know, for your entertainment. But, yeah, they every year it's like, ah. There, there just seems to be this feel to it like we gave them their crack. They're loving it. They're addicts. Fuck them. You know what yeah. I mean? Not even like, well, but, you know, hey, the last few years, this and that. You just feel like there's a few people in that boredom that goes, ah, fuck them. They're paying for it. They're addicts. They love it. It's crack. Fuck them. Like that type mm-hmm. of thing. It gives yeah. that vibe. And meanwhile, fighters, they're not really getting raises or nothing. It feels like when I went to buy a car, it's that same feeling, you know, that the salesman gives you. Yeah. Just walk out of here, dog. There's tons of people who are going to buy this car. That's Mm -hmm. the feeling that comes off. Yeah, nothing's worse than that adjusted market value that car dealers are doing. Right now is not the time, folks. Just wait. The demand and the supply are going to start to level out soon. And uh, then it'll be your time to buy. But um by the way full disclosure sure uh being as it's so close to the holidays i am in california that's why my mic kind of sounds like this and that's why yogi dog over here tripping a second ago he had his entire foot in his mouth and then he heard a noise and so yeah today's show will be a little different but not so bad what's going on over here it looks like you're wearing an adidas shirt of some kind and then are you wearing a cape (laughs) What's no, that black it's just, thing? Just part, oh, part of the shirt. It's part of the shirt. Oh, okay. I never. My Larry that. David. Why am I wearing well, a cape? Here it looks like it's cut off or something. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Ghost can selfie himself, tweet it later, and then the audience can see what I'm talking about. Because you have the three Adidas stripes, but they're interrupted by this black thing. So you know what it looked like? It looked like someone put something on you. You know, like yeah. Back warm or something. I don't know. It okay. like All right. No worries. Uh, were you saddened that Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker was taken off? You know, that's a great fight to back up those title fights out in um, Perth, Australia. We have an interim fight and then and an interim title fight between uh, Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. And then we have Alexander Volkanovsky challenging Islam Makashev. That's a nice one-two punch because, A, you got one guy going, trying to be a champ champ. B, Makashev's doing a quick turnaround, so he sounds like he wants to be an active champion. 
C, you got the UFC going, hey, you know, if this guy wins at lightweight and somehow there's a situation where he has to address lightweight, at least we got an interim champ, you know, getting in the mix here. So we're rewarding Rodriguez and Emmett for not getting the title fight versus Volkanovski. The winner can enjoy pay-per-view points when they uh, unify. Yeah. So now behind that, you got Whitaker and Costa. I love a card that stops, starts off like that. Anything else is just gravy. So to lose, it kind of sucks. Now, had had we never had it, I'd go, hey, we got two title fights. Enjoy it. But the fact that we had it and it fell apart pisses me off. And what it sounds like, at least according to Pajeda, is he just can't come to terms with the UFC. Robert Whitaker's ready to go. And that guy is a New Zealand-born fighter who's lived in Australia for such a long time that he's mostly known as an Australian than a, than a Kiwi. And he really wanted a fight. And all of a sudden, they're saying, no, nah, we're going to use you for another another card. That sucks, man. You want to use your Australians on Australian cards. So to answer your question, I'm not really that sad about it because whenever it has to do with uh, those two guys, I just kind of – not I'll, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But I just didn't get very hyped up because Paulo Costa kind of has a little bit of a history of, you know, either missing weight or just being a problem, being difficult. And Bobby Knuckles has had his injuries in the past. So when I heard the announcement of the fight, I was like, that's cool. Hope, hope it happens. If it happens, I'm down. That's going to be fun. But I didn't really put all my eggs in that basket. But, yeah, it does suck. that that That's a big hit. If you're counting on that, that's a big hit. But if you're the UFC – I don't know that you take that as an answer. Like, I don't know that you count on it because of that. You should. That's why. That's why we're paying these big dollars for these pay per views because they should have backup plans for this for as much I'm as they're sure charging. The UFC was actually the ones to announce it too, so they must have thought something was happening, and just not have told Paulo Costa. We do have Kai Car France versus Alex Perez. That's chill. Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Minifield. All right, but then after that, we're kind of hurting a little bit, you know. Justin Taffa, Parker Porter, they're going to swing. They're big dudes. Someone's going to sleep. Zhang Mingyang versus Tyson Pedro. Okay. You know, but it's missing something. Like, okay, we got the two title fights, but God forbid one of those falls out. All of a sudden, we're, you know, I'm not too stoked here. But when it had Costa and Whitaker, I thought, okay, that that's a that's a mover and shaker type of, uh, of fight. Something's going to come out of that. You know what it's like, dude, as ridiculous as this is going to sound? Uh, losing a fight in one week and then the same week say, giving a price hike would be the equivalent of me going, George, I need you to drop me off at LAX this weekend and uh, fill up my tank while you do it, please. That's what yeah. it feels like and sounds like. That's why I'm saying like the timing of the things that they do are so ridiculous. Yeah. They have... Six weeks to think where they could have got Whitaker an opponent. I wish they wouldn't have given up so easily. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Costa, though. He does seem to be a little high maintenance because he's very controversial on social media. So I got to believe that, you know, at some point PR is like, hey, I know we don't, we don't, um, you know, we don't police these athletes very much but you know this guy causes waves or whatever and if you guys he can't even come to terms with him and he's not fighting on these fight cards well what are we doing here like does he just float around and sit on the roster do we do we keep him so no one else can have him how's this work you know yeah i don't know what his options are really like uh, PFL. Uh, yeah but think about it He's got to be able to run off fight after fight after fight. And I don't know that he can do but that. They don't have the middleweight division. So PFL light heavyweight will allow him to be fat Paulo Costa. Right. Um, but in order to win that million dollars, you have to put together a streak. You have and... to stay healthy for sure. You have to put the streak together. And uh, you're not going to have the publicity and the notoriety that you do as a UFC fighter. And I think Paulo is a little bit addicted to that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that won't happen. But when I saw Shoeface get beat up by Brad Tavares, 
Then he goes over to PFL and wins a million. That had to be a huge wake-up call to a lot of fighters. Right. Because yeah. it wasn't just the million. It was the million plus probably the four other fights where he had to be making at least 50 and 50. You know, that's probably another 300. That was a great year for Shoeface. And Shoeface was, I'm not even sure he ever broke in the top 10 at the UFC. But yet he was a world champion. Can't take that title away from him. And he's got that life-changing money. That That's something to really think about. In fact, an interview that Goes and I did recently uh, with Quamel. Uh, what was his last name again? Ultimate or something. Yeah, like that. he's the only guy to ever beat Alex Pajeda in MMA. He's going to the PFL. He's going to be fighting in the Challenger Series on January 27th. But he said he was really attracted to the PFL because they keep you busy. There's no politics in terms of, well, he's better looking. He's more popular. They got beef. Three pieces in a soda were shelled out. We got even the score. You know, none of that. You win, you advance. And mm. there's a big prize that awaits you. So that's kind of what that that's kind of what made him want to be a part of that promotion, even though he's kind of got a scoreboard over a a UFC champ. I'm not sure you can catch that check though, because it seems like he stayed at welterweight, whereas uh, Pajeda has moved up to uh middleweight. So True. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't have necessarily tangled, but Doug Crosby did an interview with Chael Sonnen goes, so he's spoken out for the first time after all this criticism has been uh, levied at him, right? He had the two controversial scorecards. Now, one of them luckily didn't affect fighter pay. What I mean by that is Rafian Stotts went home with two checks. He advanced in the Grand Prix. Danny Sabatello, he got the call from Douglas Crosby 50-45, but he didn't get the win because Stotts won. But it was still a bad call, card, scorecard. But he was part of Patty Pimblett. He was one of two judges that scored the fight for Patty Pimblett, which kind of bit Jared Gordon in the ass. And most people you poll say Jared Gordon won. Like that, that was kind of a robbery, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, we don't use that term too often, but it felt that way for a lot of people. And so. Crosby, you know, these judges and refs don't do much media, but Crosby did an interview with Chael Sonnen, and he said some stuff where you're just leaves you scratching your head, man. Here's a quote from him. You'd have to ask yourself before you accept that as valid criticism. I would qualify the source of that criticism and say that this is a working class person making that critique, or is it a fabulously wealthy person making that critique? I didn't really get that. that. Yeah. He continues, you've got to assign a numerical value to what you just saw, and on average you get about 15 seconds to turn that score in. And if you write it off, and if you write off about five of those seconds for the time it takes to write it, that leaves you about 10 seconds to make a decision about who won the round and who lost the round. Well, what have you been doing for the last five minutes? It went west. You getting a lap dance or something like that? I mean, aren't you watching it? Like, as the fight's progressing after 30 seconds or a minute or halfway or with one to go or when the clapper hits, aren't you kind of thinking, I'm kind of leaning this way. So unless something happens in these last 10 seconds, that's the way I'm going. You you might be seeing it at the four-minute mark, at the clapper, whatever. So by the time they say ding, ding, and they separate the fighters, you're already putting your head down and writing the 10 and the 9. I'll give you if it takes five seconds to do that, you know. But you're writing that down, but you're not going, hmm, you know. 10 seconds. Jeez. What, what happened again? Like, oh, what am I doing here? You know, the, there ain't no 10 seconds. You should already know what, what 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 you're writing down. This was really, really terrible for me to read this about a boxing and MMA judge that's been doing it for such a long time. And it answers the questions as to, you know, any time that we've critiqued this guy and we say, should he really be there? This, there's your answer, folks. Yeah. As soon as the horn goes off, you should have your answer. There is no assessing the round. You're doing that as the round is unfolding. Now, let's just say, let's just say, okay, we give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, so what? The other two judges had to do the same thing, and they figured it out, right? So it's just not really – it's it's a terrible excuse. Um I am glad that he actually spoke out and and talked about it. But boy, did he do a really bad job of, of trying to clarify his feelings 
towards uh, the judging and all that. Like, I, I, the only one thing that made me kind of go, okay, I don't agree, but I understand where you're coming from, was the part about effective grappling. Okay, you're giving me a reason why you did it, but your reason is not holding up against uh, everyone else's. But at least you gave me something, you know, and that's uh, maybe not accountability, but it's at least just giving the public an answer. And, and that I did appreciate. Well, in the rules, effective striking is associated with damage and effective grappling is is um, associated with, you know, working towards a submission or... Uh, some sort of version of ground and pound. So you can effectively grapple in terms of taking someone down and controlling them. But, and, and you're effective in the sense that you're holding them. Yeah, for sure. But you're not really cementing the criteria as it's written. Because if you recall, Stotts was throwing some elbows from the bottom and that overruled you just laying on him he was doing something to create some damage Mm -hmm. and uh so although he, he he was right in one regard he left out another but listen to what he says he continues but that has to do with reading and understanding the criteria and i don't know who does that and who doesn't i do know that when i talk to fighters they are overwhelmingly intelligent and articulate and courageous and i respect them all for better or for worse and that's what moves me forward it's what's best for the fighters and now what's best for the coaches or the media for the fighters and any fighter know they can discuss anything with me uh in private at any time i we all say the same things about the fighters man courageous respect many of them are intelligent articulate yeah but um Reading and understanding the criteria, he he doesn't do that. He doesn't understand it. He's read it, but he doesn't. He says if effective grappling is considered the equal of effective striking, which it is, what he's not understanding is well, what is the effective grappling though? You you know, just because you laid on someone, he that guy didn't want to be there. Trust me, Rafael Stotts did not want to be controlled by. Uh, Danny Sarvello, but he wasn't. Danny Sarvello wasn't putting him in a position to lose the round because he wasn't doing anything to go with the takedown. Right. Crosby's not understanding that. This is weird. Well, he's making it sound like he is understanding it, and he actually throws a little bit of shade on his colleagues and makes it sound like they're not the ones that understand it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think we heard some stuff behind the scenes that you know that we can't share, which kind of sucks, I guess, for me to have said it at all. People are gonna say, Well, why'd you bring it up? But uh one of the commission officials said that they're gonna review the fight with all three judges, and that's Missouli from the uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And uh, you know, it's good that you bring in the three judges because maybe them talking amongst each other maybe will show Crosby why we're even there to begin with, right? But it, but I, I don't feel like the other two did anything wrong. I thought they turned in the accurate scores. But if you need all three of them there, okay, that's what it takes, fine. But there seems to be a glaring problem here with, with uh, Crosby, and this isn't the first time. I don't know. But well, literally the next night was the next time. Yeah, and I did the math. Goes, he did the cone. Sorry, that was the main event. It was an event that started at six p.m., which is nine p.m. their time. They probably fought around eleven, eleven thirty, East Coast time. And then when he did the co-main event here of Pimlet versus Gordon, that was about eight thirty. So he, it looks like 11.30 to 8.30 is a 21-hour time difference. But when you factor in that he lost the three hours flying here, 
it was really an 18-hour difference. So not even the 24 hours, 18 hours. Of course, he flew. I, I've kind of changed my stance on that a little bit. I did hear what Ariel Hawani said about, you know, and, uh, NBA referees. This isn't a physical job, but it's a mental job, you know. But uh, not I, juggling I chainsaws, though. Hmm? He's not juggling chainsaws. And he gets a break usually between fights, like somebody else does the next yeah. one or something. Yeah, that's why that, that part of it I'm I'm not as concerned about, you know, but I'm just concerned about that he was allowed after such a controversial call to come to another commission and uh, make this one. Okay. Aaron Blanchfield is facing Talia Santos. Normally I should go, all right. I'm feeling that because these are two highly touted flyweights. Blanchfield has been doing really, really well, including her latest win over Molly McCann, where she was just dominant. Talia Santos just gave Valentina Shevchenko the biggest scare of her of her run. That includes seven title defenses. Mm-hmm. My question is, what, why isn't one of them fighting Valentina Shevchenko? And most namely, Talia Santos. I felt like it was a great fight, and she maybe did enough to earn a rematch. That usually hasn't come the way of Shashenko because she smashes everyone. And uh, first it was, well, apparently she broke an orbital orbital bone. Then we heard she elected not to get the surgery, so she's ready to fight, obviously, because she's taking on Blanchfield. But yet that's, it's not going to be Valentina Shashenko. Well, why did we wait this whole time? Valentina says she could have fought in New York. Casey O'Neill's got the knee injury although i'm hearing she's closer to being ready to go and alexa grasso clearly said i'd like to take one more fight before getting a title fight which is refreshing because most people say i'm ready to go and she's saying nope i still got work to do and she's three or four and oh as a flyweight since moving up from strawweight where she did pretty well but i respected the honesty so where does that leave bullet well hell please don't tell me jean way lee's moving up Oh man, like we're we're doing this with Volkanovski. I don't have so much of a problem with Volkanovski. It's the fact that Makashev is already fighting someone that's not a lightweight, just for the purposes of seeing if they can become champ champ when he's got quality opponents that he could be facing. Most namely, I guess, Benil Dariush. He's earned it, man. Seven or eight in a row. Que mas quieres, pendejos? Make that fight, UFC. All right. But over here, Jean Weili doesn't deserve to go up. She's been champ. She's lost. She hasn't had a reign. She hasn't had a reign. And guess what? The the not maybe the clearest number one contender, but there is a number one contender out there. It's two and zero against John Whaley, and that's Rose Namajunas. I'm not saying I want to see it right away, but you know you got to fight there. And Rose is super popular. The other one could be maybe we are near Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko, part three. I would be okay with that, goes because um, I don't want to miss out on it. One of them wasn't a title fight. They were very competitive fights, and I don't think Juliana Pena made a case for a part three versus Nunez just yet. She needs to take a fight before she gets to her trilogy match. Had that one been close, then I'd go, hey, she finished her in the first fight. The second one was close, but no, man, the part two was just a whitewash. I think Talia Santos is the slam dunk clear should happen, but because it doesn't, it kind of leads me to believe that it is going to be one of these types of fights. Now to make, uh, to make Amanda Nunes and Valentina work, they both have to be completely destroying people to make you want to say, let's see it a third time when the first, when Amanda's won the first two. With the exception of that. They haven't. That Nunez had against Pena, and then she corrected the blip. Yeah, but she did lose, and Valentina did not look good at all in that last fight. So I think that one would be a little bit harder to sell. I actually do think they're going to do the Zhang Weili fight. Well, she didn't look good in the last fight, but she did win, and they gave Santos someone else. So, like, there's no Santos for Valentina to fight. I I, I think now's the time for her and Nunez. What are they waiting for? For Nunez to go, I'm retired. And then we're going to miss out on that one. You know what I mean? I don't know. But you have to make it look like 
both these girls are just so dominant they that are. You, ha you have no choice. But she's not. She almost. A lot of people thought she lost the last fight. Well, yeah, but she didn't. And this is seven in a row. That's a dominant run. And Nunez, mm -hmm. I think that's only her second loss in the UFC. And she's got nine title defenses between the two divisions, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, Wei Lee just, at least Valentina has history at 135. She was a contender. She was a title contender. She beat Pena. Yeah. So her going up, I think she's definitely earned this. I hope it's that one. I, I, do you know something I don't? Is it going to be Zhang Weili? No, I just feel like it, it will be because of that. That'll make me sick to my stomach, you know, that if, if that's what it is. Uh, I'll be like, give me a break. Just I, I don't get that. Hmm. All right. BKFC announced 2023, their first three cards. You want to hear them? Sure. January 27th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That one is called BKFC 35. Excuse me. Knuckle Mania 3 is February 17th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Austin Trout's going to debut there. And BKFC 36 is February 24th in Kenner, Louisiana. So BKFC is already kind of letting people know this is where we're headed. This is what we do. And just to give you an idea, in 2022, the promotion held 20 events. In 2021, they held 11. So they're growing, man. They've gone international as well. PKFC seems like they've they've um, passed the point of doubt where we were wondering if they're going to just hang around or what's what you know what are they doing they look like they have a solid foundation an actual business that's going to stick around in combat sports i would actually entertain that new mexico card i was thinking the same thing yeah um speaking of bkfc former champion johnny bedford announced his retirement from combat sports but he had some interesting things to say in, in mma he was 23 14 and 1 and bare knuckle boxing he went 6 and 1 including winning a title he did say that he used to fight because he needed to buy diapers and pay rent, which is refreshing not have to hear put food on the table. But um, he, when he went to bare knuckle, he got a chance to just focus on throwing hands, you know, and he became a champ. He said they paid so well that now he set himself up that he can make this decision because right now getting up at six in the morning and going for a run in preparation for a fight, it's just not appealing. It's not motivating. And someone can get hurt when they're just doing it for only the money. You know, you got to have to want it just as much. And you got to also go out there knowing that that guy's trying to really, really hurt you. So you have to be in the front of mind of not letting that happen and hurting them before they hurt you. Um, but uh, it was refreshing for him to say, you know, I just, I, it's not fair to be KFC, my division, but I thank you for giving me financial security. And, he really tipped their hat to how well they pay. And David Feldman, the president of Bare Knuckle, said, I take my hat off to you, especially for everything you've done, but really for recognizing you weren't going to be able to give us, yourself, or the fans 100%. That's something a lot of fighters can't do. A lot of fighters need to be saved from themselves. Uh, you didn't have to be. I thank you for that. I thank you for not shortchanging yourself, BKFC, or the fans. So what a beautiful exit yeah. for the fighter, and what a graceful um statement from the promotion mm -hmm. now i don't know if you guys know this but um one of our listeners chili billy mcdonald used to manage johnny bedford and um if you, if you listen to an interview we had a couple weeks ago with Luis palomino he was saying that he got paid three times as much as he did in mma and if we think about it in mma i mean at worst absolute worst he'd have to be a 20 and 20 guy right don't you think? In MMA? Yeah. Yeah. Please, Palomino. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good money. And they're sustaining, like you said. So, uh, it's pretty interesting to see what they're going to be doing. They got a, a nice signing there with Austin Trout, who fights on that second card in February, I believe. So, uh, or first one in February. So, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're making waves, man. Conor McGregor said, not only is Leon Edwards the comeback of the year, 
He's the everything of the year. Um, look, all praise to Leon Edwards for that amazing KO. He is the comeback fighter of the year because that was an amazing comeback. That you know, so was Alex Pajeda, but I think this was a one hitter quitter, and it was against a guy that was the number one pound for pound fighter. So was Izzy, but Izzy became the number one powerful fighter because Kamar Usman had lost a few months before him. So they're both up there, right? And Pajeda pieced them up with punches and knees and kicks or whatever. This guy did a high uh, head kick, you know, in the fifth round. So they're mm-hmm. both great, great comeback stories. But this guy seems to have gotten the nod. Um, Zhang Wei Li, by the way, this was the MMA junkie female fighter of the year. I just wanted to tell people we have a lot of our um, – awards that have been being posted so please take a look at those but mcgregor i think was more pubbing his role as you know one of the part owners of um paradigm mma and rocky edwards is a paradigm fighter but did you happen to come across that and what did you think yeah i mean it just kind of seemed like a little bit of a pr stunt Mm -hmm. what he did was amazing it was a great comeback, but that's all it was. It was a great comeback. Yeah. Yeah, it was something else, though. I mean, that one beats Pajeda's, right? Probably, yeah. They were both getting smoked. They were both on their way to losing fights, losing um, decisions. And they both gut-checked in the fifth round and got it. But this guy was just – it was a, a masterpiece of a head kick. Mm-hmm. So I think he just slightly beats Pajeda over Israel Adesanya. Now, I will say this. I said it till I was blue in the face. Christian Lee lost his title at one championship in 2021. And in 2022, he came back and not only won it, thereby avenging one of his losses, but then he won the welterweight title too. So to go from losing your title one year to come back the next year and winning it and then winning another one, that's pretty amazing too, but it you know one championship is just not as popular as UFC, so a lot of people will be like, eh, hell no, man, I'm all about Rocky Edwards or Pajeda or whatever. Yeah. Female fighter of the year, I thought Larissa Pacheco also had a great case. She yeah. went four and zero, man, with three finishes, and she put the first L on Kayla Harrison. Not to say Jean Wei Lee wasn't a beast, because she definitely was. She beat Joanna in Singapore pretty much destroyed her, and then kind of destroyed Carla. Not necessarily like by piecing her up, but the fact that she got it done so quickly. Um, and, you know, eventually she got the two finishes. So that's that's big, right? It, it's yeah. 2-0 versus 4-0. But is the 4-0 versus lesser competition, is that enough to beat the 2-0? That's the, that's the question. I was brawling on Instagram with some cats about they were telling me they thought Volkanovsky should have been our male fighter of the year because can make a case for it. Korean Zombie and beating Max Holloway was more impressive than beating Bruno Silva, beating um, Sean Strickland and Israel Adesanya. And I was like, well, first of all, I also thought the same thing, you know, that my colleagues will say when we voted, they know that I was pushing Alex Volkanovsky. However, the angle they took was different. Well, he struggled with Bruno Silva, and then Bruce, Bruno Silva lost to Gerald Mearshaw. Well, forget about that. Focus on Pejeda. He beat Strickland, who had won five in a row at middleweight since moving up, and he smoked Strickland. And then he beat Israel Adesanya. That was his first loss as a middleweight. And now he's the middleweight champion. So no disrespect to Korean Zombie, but he wasn't the number one contender. It was Holloway who had earned his third fight, but he stepped out, so they pulled in Zombie. But really, Emmett should have been in there instead of Zombie. Zombie got it based more off his popularity because Zombie was only one and one in his last two. So don't Mm -hmm. come at me with Zombie being like, oh, my God, like he was a clear number one. No, he was in the right places at the right time, and he's been a top ten fighter for you know, for a while, but, you know, forget about Bruno and zombie and this and that focus on the fights and and what happened there. And like I say, when I argued versus our panel, 
I said, hey, look, man, this is a photo finish. I just think this, right? Because I thought Bokanovsky was outstanding versus both of them. But, you know, it is three versus two. And um, Pajeda, like I say, just was amazing in those last two wins of the year. If there's ever a case to do co, uh, it probably could have been that one. Because you can make arguments both sides. Well, what did you feel about Pacheco? Pacheco, it just really comes down to, like, what she did against Kayla Harrison was tremendous um, and, and the streak leading into it, but just the the competition was just not there. Isn't beating Kayla probably more monumental than Jean Wei beating Carla? Depends. Depends on what your thoughts on Kayla are. Kayla's never lost. Kayla's never lost, but then a lot of people also understand that she's at the PFL. She probably hasn't faced the top fighters in the world so it just depends yeah. on what the value is behind that for you and joanna is probably past her prime you know like she hadn't fought in two years she's past her prime so yeah that's a win but um smoked it's too. not it's not being prime joanna yeah well that's what pajeda did to strickland and i don't know mm-hmm. they're close it's fun to argue them but i just think that when you're going to make an argument you know, there's certain things you should focus on. And the Muppets I was arguing with on Instagram were just, well, Bruno then lost to Mearshart. Oh, my God. You know how many times we could go in there and look at other fighters and see what they've done and then hold that against them? But Kamara lost to Bruce Leroy's brother 10 years ago. What about that? He's not even, in, you know, I mean, give, give me a break. That Jose Casares guy, that's the guy that I've been the only guy to ever be, beat Kamara Usman. You know, but anyway. All right, I can't think of too much else. Uh, here it goes with the latest news. I mean, obviously, MMA Junkie is all over it. We are working every day of the year. And though some people are on vacation or whatever, the others are, are, are working hard. Changing of the guard, every new UFC champion crowned in 2022. That was, was a lot of champions was. At, uh, between all the promotions. It was one of our end of the year uh, spinning back click topics, and, and the UFC had a lot of them. So I, I can't wait to look into that article done by Matt Wells. Cormier takes issue with USADA testing John Jones only sparingly compared to Yuri Prochaska. USADA's been getting a little bit of a heat with, you know, the whole thing with Conor McGregor. I think if somebody didn't figure out the, that Conor McGregor wasn't being tested and then figured out that he's not even a testing pool, they were just like, hmm keeping silent you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah that, that, i don't like that whole scenario i'm kind of glad that it was exposed i love you saw them what they've done in changing the game folks if you have only been a fan for a few years you don't know what we were going through about 10 10 years ago when it was just everywhere and rampant and you know we were we were it was costing us fights and results needed to be overturned it was you know and now since usada came it sucked at first what i got to do the whereabouts oh my god you know this and that and then but what did it do you know as we started phasing certain fighters out the new fighters came in they knew the rules boom we had ourselves I, what i believe is a, a clean sport a, a sport you could be proud of you know yeah sure a hiccup here and there and but but they were getting dealt with four years, two years, you know, and and uh, I know they pay USAD a lot of money, but I, I think it helped the UFC tremendously. But then now knowing, well, you can just dip out of the pool. Look, maybe we cut him a break. I don't know. His legs snapped in half. Weidman saying, hey, look, it's been a long road back to me. I'm not the same. Anderson Silva, he started crying when he beat Nate Diaz. Um, you could tell he had gone through something as well. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe something does need to happen, but the transparency is always best. You know what I mean? And if, if um, I, I, the thing with Anderson Silva is he wasn't posting pictures of him being all jacked up and that's the, the gray area. The little I do know about steroids goes is this, you can do them and be on them, but just because you go through six months of testing, cause you're no longer on them doesn't mean that you still ain't carrying the effects for years from the benefit of having done them. That right there is the thing. So that's always going to be around, you know, with, with the whole thing with Connor. I think if there was just a little more transparency and saying, hey, look, in, process, in, in, in getting this healed up, um, we're going to do this and address this, but only this or whatever, you know, closely monitor the athlete, then mm-hmm. sure, but 
I know there's gonna be a lot of questions come when he comes back. All right, I know you're going through a lot over there in California. This is our last show of the year. Folks, we'll see you uh, at the beginning of the year. Enjoy the holidays. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie, of course, for all of your best coverage here in the next few days as you get through the holidays. Um, and that's it from me. Anything from you guys? Yeah, just a shout-out to everybody that always supports the show. Shout-out to Gabe Gudgel, who puts the show together behind the scenes, does a tremendous job. This is literally the easiest person to work with on the face of the earth. Uh, all the staff at USA Today that helps put everything together for the show and some of the side projects that we do, like Spinning Backclick and all that. Hopefully, if you're a fan of this show, you got to be a fan of Spinning Backclick. I'd really, really like to see that take off even more this coming year. Nice one. All right. Let's get out of here. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.